0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Getting Hammered. We are your morning show for any hour, even happy hour, which is also any hour as far as we're concerned. I'm Mary Catherine Ham. I'm your host. I'm here, as always, with my friend Vic Mattis, an editor at The Washington Free Beacon and a co-host of The Sub Beacon, which you can find on Patreon. It's a great podcast. How are you doing, Vic?
1: Hello, Mary Catherine. I am on the mend. As you know, every good, day it gets good. a little bit better. I've weaned myself off the meds and being well, good because we don't
0: need you with like an opioid addiction oh, or, the, the, all.
1: or other things i didn't like the side effects i didn't like the side effects uh uh and the the one thing missing is when do i put the mouth your drive? tooth yes kidding. well learning to live without that by the way is a weird thing i know i get to see how you know i mean i'm There are people, obviously, out there, maybe listeners out there. There was a a friend to the show, Dwayne Carpenter, who said that he knows plenty of people missing teeth. I mean, it's a thing that happens. And because, you know, uh, insurance does not cover dental implant.
0: Oh, how dare. It's considered uh, cosmetic or something? Yes. Whoa. And I
1: kid you not, a a friend of my aunt, now this friend is an older woman. Right. And she had some very, very serious dental problem and she had to have like six teeth removed or seven teeth removed right six or seven Massive.
0: Massive. anyone in the audience who has an issue with this oh yeah yeah. i'm sorry i'm not gonna get it has left us long ago sorry
1: about it no details i will tell you the price though she doesn't have insurance and she is going to pay she says forty seven thousand dollars forty seven thousand it's that's there was a map on uh, Twitter, one of those promoted things. I didn't want to click it, but it showed you about where people make the most money in the United States by like region and what the profession is. And for <laughs> Virginia, I kid you not, it was oral and max low facial surgeons.
0: Wow. And it's
1: mostly dentists and orthodontists across. That's where the, the money is.
0: Look at that. Yeah.
1: I mean, well, I'm I look forward proof. to
0: paying some orthodontists. I am. So we're, I'm going to be on board for that. Well,
1: you are living proof, yeah. as we know. You know, I mean, this is worth the money, honestly. Yeah, no, there's a,
0: there's, there's a real dental
1: bent to this podcast. Uh, I will say <laughs> this, and uh, you're going to appreciate this. So, you know, um, expanding my soft food diet, I was in beautiful little Clifton, New Jersey. Clifton, not, not Clifton, New Jersey, Clifton, Virginia. Right. Which is a quaint little town, expensive but quaint little town. It's like two streets. It's Main it's Main Street and Chapel, but there's a place called Trummers on Main, and I happened to be there in the afternoon on Saturday, and I was there with my son. He got a burger. You know what I got? Shrimp and grits.
0: Oh, love a a shrimp and grits.
1: Soft food diet. (laughs)
0: That is good. And the thing is, I'm
1: not a grits person because you know I'm from New Jersey. Yes. I was like, wait a minute, this is polenta. Oh, no. It's what it is. It is that is what it is. Okay. It's Uh, awesome. Yeah. So I thought you would appreciate that, but I just ate it as is. Mm -hmm. I don't do anything to it. It was very uh, golden colored, so I didn't have to, I don't I didn't have to add anything.
0: No, it's good to go. I the only thing I ever add is is. Butter, because I mean, you can't—that can't hurt.
1: What do other people? What do people put otherwise? They put some,
0: cheese. I have heard some people do cheese, mm. I don't do cheese grits. I like if someone serves them to me, I'm happy to eat them. But I don't add cheese to my grits in general. Then there are some people, and I think this is wrong. They will add sweet stuff like sugar. Grits. Oh, like, a little uh, maybe syrup. I, they you, put a little a, syrup on top. I'm a big no on that. It's already. It's okay for oatmeal. It's okay for cream of wheat. It's not okay for grits. No.
1: I'm going to ask a terrible northern question. Okay. What's the difference between cream of wheat grits?
0: I you know what I don't even know the difference. I assumed the cream of wheat was someone else's okay. regional thing because okay. it wasn't all right. ours. All
1: right, all right, all right. <laughs> so that's what's going on with me. Enough about me. What is going I'm just on? Gi-
0: with- I'm just giving you ideas for yourself. Oh, thank you. Data. Yes. Yeah.
1: Thank you. What What is going on with you?
0: Nothing much. We had a pretty low key weekend. Not a lot of giant. Not enough of those plans. So that was that was nice. And I heard from someone this weekend. So years ago. I believe probably reporting and writing for the Weekly Standard. Mm-hmm. I met a World War II veteran at a protest against Obamacare on the mall. His name was Fremont Gruss. He's from, I believe, Minnesota. That's a great name. And he, he served in both theaters in the European and the Pacific theater. Oh. And anyway, I met him like, that well, was probably what, 2009 ish. Mm-hmm. And then it was either, it was Either between Donald Trump being elected and and the the COVID era, I got in touch with him at some point because I had his number in my phone from when I had interviewed him before and just checked in. Yes. Uh, and said, left him a message and Good said, hey, you. Mr. Gresser, just, just checking in to see how you're doing. He called, we played phone tag. We didn't actually get to talk, but he left me a message, said he was glad to hear from me. And then this weekend, and I had randomly thought about him I thought about him some during COVID and hoped that he was well and hadn't hadn't gotten it. Yes. And then I heard from one of his helpers or caregivers this weekend after I had just randomly thought about him a couple of weeks ago. And she said, hi, is, is this Mary Catherine? And I said, yes. And she said, I'm one of Fremont's helpers. And I said, oh, my gosh, I'm so glad to hear from him. So glad to hear that he's still with us because he is now, I believe, 98 years old. Oh, my gosh. I was like send send me an address and I will write to him. And so now I'm I'm attempting because you know uh, Mr. Gross was one of those people who helped save the world from from terribleness and and make it possible for my children and me to live. I'm attempting as a as a thank you for that to overcome my terrible executive function and write a letter and then successfully send it to him. So that is that's what I'm doing right now and it will get done by God.
1: Sooner rather than later. Yeah. Please don't sit yeah. around on this one. No, you know? so, so it's ready to <laughs> go out. Don't let it collect
0: dust. It's ready to go out in the mail. I had the girls right. write him a card oh. as well. So it's lovely to hear from him. I found a feature on him uh, in a ah. in a local paper from 2017 when he was still out out and about going to things, and another reference to him at another political rally in 2020. So he's amazing. He's doing things, just amazing, and just an amazing person who lived through the depression, went straight into the. Second World War and and was infantry and wow at the at the end one of his quotes is uh, you know how did you feel once once we beat the Germans and he's like well I was really just happy to have made it through and he's made it through a lot of things so thank you to Mr. Gruss for his service in the army
1: we salute you yes so
0: he, but uh, so, yeah. so cool to hear from her and to n- nice. to know that he's still around and, and, thought, and, and, thinking, and be able to reach and out of you yes, yes.
1: so uh, I'm really curious where he was in Europe and then went over to the Pacific. I assume that's yes. how it works.
0: So let me see. Wow. Uh I can I can find it in this oh. in this feature for you. Ninety-three. Year, this is a couple years ago. Yes. Ninety-three-year-old Annandale native uh-huh. fought through Germany and Czechoslovakia, then shipped out to the Pacific in pre- preparation for the invasion of Japan before World War II came to an end in August of 1945. The hardest uh-huh. combat came when his 97th Infantry Division battled across the Sieg River in Germany under mm-hmm. heavy machine gun fire in April of 1945 just one month before the war ended in Europe. So he just he just barely got yeah. that other theater in there.
1: It, it's one of the most devastating things. Hindsight is mm-hmm. always 50-50. So we think about it in different terms. They wouldn't have seen it this way, but we do, which is it, it would be devastating to die, you know, a month or a oh week my gosh. before the war ends. But you didn't know that the war was actually going to end then. Right, but, of course. You know, it was, uh, oh, well, God bless.
0: Yes. Very, very cool to be in touch with him mm-hmm. and very cool that he's with, With us, this was his quote. How did Gruss feel when the Germans were beaten? Just doggone thankful to have made it through. In the infantry, you know, you're going to get shot at every day and somebody's going to get it. You're always thinking of survival. When you wake up in the morning, you know something bad can happen, but you don't know what. You're never completely at ease. The people who did this, and my grandparents were among them, I just amazing what people are capable of and extraordinary ordinary Americans did.
1: That's right. That's right. My, my father, he, you know, he survived Japanese occupation as a kid and they just moved. They moved to the mountains. Yep. To do for a couple of years. But it's uh, and, and he remembers when the Americans arrived. and It was a great day when they arrived. So anyway. And here, and here, and here we are, are things, complaining. What do we no, complain about? Here, here I'm we, complaining about my soft food diet.
0: I'm sorry. Here we are doing a podcast because uh, those people yeah. went before us. <laughs> And because I don't like you to complain about podcasting,
1: you know. <laughs> this is I Marla, you think that was hard getting shot on the Zeke River? Try this. Try doing this 4 times a week.
0: My goodness. My goodness. The things that Vic oh, heroically oh, endures. Oh gosh, it's so hard. An American hero. <laughs> it hurts to laugh. Move on. Today I want to do an update show. Update oh, show. Updates,
1: lots of updates. I
0: want to do an update show because this is something that annoys me about media is that media gets really excited about various things and then moves along sure. after the initial Great. hysteria mm-hmm. and then never comes back to sort of let you know what happened there. So I just want to get into a couple of a couple of stories that We have been over in the past, and we need to go over again just to just give you guys a heads up. Okay, so first off is a story out of Georgia. If you will remember, in twenty twenty one, the state of Georgia's voting changes were, to quote the president of the United States, Joe Biden, "Jim Crow on steroids," I believe is what he called it, and
1: and Jim Eagle,
0: and and he called it, he called uh, anyone who supported it. Bull Connor. Yeah, just, Bull Connor. You know, just he actually up. said Bull Connor. Yeah, so that was, that was the very chill rhetoric on that. Well, a little update on how voting is going in Georgia right now because they're having early voting using this new system. Yeah, yeah how's the you,
1: suppression going?
0: You're, on? You'll remember that uh, Major League Baseball and Delta mm-hmm. and Coca-Cola lined up against this law. Major League Baseball pulled the All-Star game, sent it to Colorado, which, by the way, has more restrictive yes. rules, it turns out. For some reason. Uh, Delaware also has more restrictive rules than Georgia, by the way. And uh, while I was researching this, because, you know, I need to refresh my own memory mm-hmm. about what the laws were, I found the best, one of the best fact checks I've seen on it at the BBC. Because they were, like, soberly going through the law and saying, well, what actually, yes. what actually is at stake here and what are they doing? Finding, among other changes, that, you know, the, the number of drop boxes was, was brought down because 2020 was unprecedented. Sure. They'd never done drop boxes before. Mm-hmm. And so they were like, let's maybe secure these drop boxes in places that you can go to at certain hours and we'll right. just make sure we have each county can have a certain number. So while the number was brought down, it was only because 2020 was completely haphazard. And just like, whatever anyone wants to do, do the thing. Yeah. So some of this was codifying the Dropbox situation. At any rate, good fact check. Thank you, BBC, for handling that when our American media did not. So right now, as it stands, 2018, Mm -hmm. 320,000 early absentee votes in the Georgia primaries. 2021, Jim Crow on steroids Mm -hmm. enacted. 2022, 857,000 early and absentee votes in Georgia primaries. So that's like... Nearly threefold. I, it would be one thing if it were only slightly higher, and you could say people yeah. people were informed. They the, the the civil rights groups helped them get there and cast their votes, and therefore this is not a sign that this is not suppression. This is so very many votes, Vic.
1: I think the the spin is quite impressive here, because I think the spin is a lot of people turned out despite. The oppressiveness, yes, of this law, and the second one is, just imagine how many millions more would have voted.
0: I guess you could have, you could have. That's, a, that, that, that's, that's all I think. I, I think about there would but, have been millions of early votes.
1: Yeah, that's right. It's for, but you know, it's like when you see a number like that, it's like the carpet gets you know pulled out right from under them. But the, uh, these these folks and 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 members of the media, they'll just move along. And they'll still continue to make the same yeah, I, charges it, and make the same critiques the mainstream, and make the same jokes on late night. Yes. And just go along with it and how terrible things are. And because you know why? No one's going to call them on it.
0: The mainstream media reporting on this is basically yes, the early voting is up. Yeah. Sort of triple what it was in 2018, but that doesn't actually mean anything. And it's just because, like I said, it's just because people were very well informed and people, you know, pushed to get people out to vote yeah. in spite of these yeah. terrible changes. Yeah. A lot of the coverage of the original changes was cartoonish. It was inaccurate. It was relentless. It was, it was ridiculous. And I, I would like some follow up with Delta and Coke and MLB. Like, yeah, did how you guys you feel about this? Did you guys miscalculate on this one by right. crapping all over your home state? Not MLB, but you know what I'm saying. It's, over the Atlanta yeah.
1: Braves, it's it's the overstepping that you see with a lot of corporations now, with Disney, for example. And it goes all the way back. I remember all the way back, but Deutsche Bank yep. not wanting to do business in North Carolina because of the trans bathroom issue. You know where they had zero qualms with doing business in oh, Saudi of cor- Arabia. Of
0: course, all the all of these companies Let's have call what it. You Sa- know, what I mean, come Saudi up. Arabian and other. Other more, uh, quite a bit more oppressive regimes they're happy to work under other than the state of Georgia. Speaking of crapping on the state of Georgia,
1: Uh this is not an
0: update, but Stacey Abrams, who is (laughs) running for governor, which is weird because according to her, she's the sitting governor. Yes. So I don't know. She's running for (laughs) re-election. A strange thing for a sitting governor to say, by the way, for those who are not up to date on Stacey Abrams, she never conceded her race in Georgia where she lost to Brian Kemp mm-hmm. for the governorship several years ago, Stacey Abrams running for governor says Georgia is the worst state in the country to live. Now, the coverage of this has been so very kind, so kind to Stacey Abrams. Mm-hmm. You would you would think that if someone goofs up this badly running for a state's uh, uh, governorship, yeah. that, that it, they would be rightly pilloried. No, 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 no. This is local coverage. Stacey Abrams says Georgia is the worst state in the country to live. But then explained. Oh, how nice. Um, I think I think CNN called it an eye, eyebrow-raising comment. She was at a Democratic dinner on Saturday in Gwinnett County, and she said, I'm tired of hearing about being the best state in the country to do business when we are the worst state in the country to live. I mean, that's pretty cut and dried.
1: What, what she wants to say is things are bad, so you should vote for whoever is not in office. You should blame the person for the bad things happening, except people are... Legitimately upset about inflation, right? She has to say things are bad in order to say the people in power should not be in power. But her problem is if people are, in fact, unhappy with inflation, they're going to blame Biden and yeah. then they're going to take it out on the Democrats connected to him.
0: Also, just don't stay, say your state is the worst, worst state yeah, in the country. There are other
1: ways to say it, and she it, did not say there's it. There's always that well.
0: a room for improvement argument. That's what mm-hmm. any candidate is making. Right. But <laughs> both both with America and each individual state, it does not it does not endear you to voters to tell them that the place they live and love to some extent, depending on how happy they are uh, in that place, is the worst
1: is, is, is a crapple. So, but, uh, but of course, yeah. the,
0: the storyline is Republicans pounced,
1: Of course, Republicans
0: seized, Republicans seized because this is a stupid, stupid gaffe. That's why.
1: It is funny because she said, oh, Republicans are going to use this against me. Yes, yes, they will. Yes, they, <laughs> they will.
0: Uh, that's correct. Now, as, as things
1: stand now, I believe Kemp is leading her in yeah. that potential head-to-head by about five points.
0: Yes. So the the primaries are happening today. Oh, speak, so you'll know. So you'll know. But to, to set that stage on the governor's side, this is probably the most nationally important part of the story, is that Kemp, who stood athwart President Trump's right. attempts to to recount and retake the state mm-hmm. of Georgia's voting, the Republican sitting governor is running against David Perdue, a Republican who last ran for Senate and was foiled in his yeah. runoff by none other than President Trump, That's right. who told Georgia voters that because of the 2020 election, their votes did not count or matter and that it was all corrupt. And so they didn't vote. So he lost his Senate runoff in the state of Georgia to John Ossoff. that oh. that young man. That whippersnapper. And now is running as the Trumpy guy against Kemp and is just getting his butt handed to him.
1: Yeah. And, you know, it's bad when Trump finally abandons. Oh, yeah. No, he's out of here. Endorsed candidate. Sorry.
0: Sorry. I lost that Senate race for you. Thanks for taking the banner and running in this race. And out. You're a loser.
1: I I believe Trump's. Yeah, I believe Trump's complaint was that he was doing more campaigning for Purdue than Purdue was. Uh-huh. And so uh, uh, that's, okay. not gonna, that's not going to that's not going to work out well. Also, the attack against Kemp is uh, that's a hard uh-huh. one to pull off because you can't say it's because he's not a conservative; it's just personal.
0: I've never understood it. Yeah. At any rate, he's he's running away with that, and will likely, in a red year, run away with the state as I well. I believe
1: so. And she will be reelected to another term as governor,
0: as sitting governor. Correct.
1: In her mind,
0: correct. <laughs> of the worst state of the worst in state in the country ever. All right, another update. Dave Chappelle, I know you will be shocked uh, to find out he's still telling jokes, guys. Good for him. He has the nerve to go on stage, and someone someone made a joke. I always want to give credit on Twitter to these instead of stealing them for myself. Although my career might be better if I just steal them, but
1: <laughs> people do this.
0: I know they do on Twitter. Uh, someone said uh, after complaints, I said there were complaints that. Dave Chappelle uh, made a guest appearance as an opener at a John Mulaney show.
1: Which you would think would be a great bonus. It's like, one guess would, who's here? One would think. Yeah. But
0: some people in the audience who were trans or trans allies or LGBTQ, they felt, quote, ambushed by this guest appearance. And someone joked, ambushed by jokes. The Gen Z story.
1: That's it. <laughs> it's very it. Whoever sad. said that that, that nails it on the head.
0: So. Some attendees who were looking forward, this is BuzzFeed News reporting, looking forward to watch John Mulaney's stand-up show in Columbus, Ohio on Friday night were taken aback when Dave Chappelle opened the show with an anti-trans and anti-gay joke during a 15-minute surprise performance. Now, we don't have uh, access to the joke itself because this was a show in which you locked away your cell phones because that's how comedy survives at this point. Many fans took to social media to express their anger at being ambushed by Chappelle, who has a history of mocking the LGBTQ community. Attendees told BuzzFeed News uh, they were also disappointed with Mulaney for giving Chappelle another platform to malign an already marginalized community. Mulaney went so far as to hug Chappelle before he left the stage. Yep. Nope. It's true. It's true. So those who were uh, tweeting about it said, I'm just a little disappointed in Mulaney. It hurts to know that Chappelle's transphobia wasn't enough of a deterrent to keep him off the show. I probably wouldn't have gone, or I would have at least skipped the openers if I knew Chappelle would be there. Chappelle, of course, appearing because he lives like an hour away. Yeah, he's an Ohio Ohio. guy. Yeah.
1: So, Uh, do do these people live in a world where only the right people get made fun of? Is that what we're? Is that what's happening here? Because also the other line is people are saying I have lots of trans friends. Lots, lots of I mean, you know, I mean, as a percentage of the population, it's technically small unless they're living in the heart of it and. On the other hand, of course, as you know, uh, another comedian, Bill Maher, was just talking about this on his show yes. about the number of people who are identifying as LGBTQIA. Oh,
0: he's in for it too, man. He he's- is,
1: because, and he talks about is this possibly a trend? And it's, is it, is it possibly trendy? Right. And right. that's the reason why.
0: And that there's like a social people, influence as well as a biological right. or. Because the
1: younger you get, the more you're ad- 20% or whatever it <laughs> is. So twice
0: as likely if you're gen twice as likely, I'm using air quotes, yeah. if you're Gen Z to identify as trans than right. it yeah. was for yeah. And of course some of that can be explained by society being more open to this than it was in the past, but not all of it as he joked, yeah. as Mar joked, uh, will all be mm-hmm. LGBT by uh, 2054 yeah.
1: at this rate. No, and he's taking a lot of heat for this. Um,
0: by uh, the way, uh, just, a, just a note. Mm-hmm. The people who complain about Chappelle use terms like ambush, triggered, which are Without irony, even though he's the one who was actually was ambushed by a physical attack on him for his comedy in L.A. by a, a guy who has who was taken into custody, thank goodness, and he was unhurt. And I believe I have heard that one of the jokes he's, he told at this uh, Mulaney thing, this is just rumors because, again, mm-hmm. it's not recorded, was, I don't know if you guys remember, but the guy who attacked him yeah. in L.A. attacked him with some weird... Half knife, half gun. Yes, and so with a bl- it was like a knife, a as gun with a, a blade on it. Bayonet. Yeah. Yes, like a little tiny bayonet. Yeah, and uh, and he apparently one of the jokes was that he was attacked with a knife that identifies as a gun. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's good. Wow,
1: and that was that, and that's what people found ambushing I and guess. triggering.
0: But I, uh, by the way, the actual attacker, yeah, without irony, says that he was triggered by the comedian's jokes and he wanted him. He said, "I identify as bisexual, and I wanted him to know that what he said was triggering." Well, I think he knows now. I wanted him to know that next time he should consider first running his material by people it could affect.
1: That's how comedians work. That's a hard
0: no for me. That's that's how that's
1: how comedians work. They have to ask everybody. I'm going to make fun of you guys for this, that, or the other. Tell me what you think, and maybe and maybe they can rewrite the jokes for them. And that's how it works. Again. You're allowed, this, this goes back to this. And I thought it was uh, absurd at the time when the student from San Diego, one of the schools there, responded to Jerry Seinfeld not performing on campus and saying that it's okay to do comedy performances. You just have to make fun of the right people. Who gets to decide that? Yeah. Oh, we do. And yeah. it's not us.
0: It's <laughs> exactly. going to be everybody.
1: But these people should watch Eddie Murphy's Delirious.
0: Oh, it's so wow. good and raw. You, yeah, you could not do fantastic. that. You can't do And everybody, equal opportunity.
1: Comedians, you cannot do that right now. But I was—I'll tell you what—it's—it's so absurd the idea of well, why don't you run it past us first? And yet they're serious, and I think it's—he's not alone in feeling this way. There's a whole new generation now who feels like you. This must be the way. And how dare you challenge me on my beliefs or humor? Yes. And I was reminded actually, uh, Mary Catherine, of uh, back in the, back in the standard days. um, You know, I used to write the parodies in the back. And and was a lot of fun to do. An editor who will remain nameless one time had the idea of let's, maybe we can try doing a, a parody by committee and write the jokes and then we circulate and everybody can insert their jokes. It was, it was a disaster. I'm making a face. Yes. Thank you. Because each editor thinks their thing is funny and then they'll say, well, I don't get this joke. And then you have old editors saying, what does this mean? Take this out. Here's something that's funny. That is totally ridiculous. It was horrible, and the experiment lasted once.
0: Everyone knows comedy by committee is the best comedy it's there is. Just, totally respectful comedy guy by committee that pushes no boundaries is what we are looking for.
1: That's how com- that's how you kill comedy. Yeah, speaking again, of which,
0: people are now suggesting that one of the reasons that Netflix made that announcement that its employees should suck it, 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 it up about the content that the company is producing is because Ricky Gervais has. A special coming out and it will be none too careful about whose toes it steps on again we're used to this
1: as conservatives no of or course. as as theists let's just say as, the, as Christians <laughs> you know yeah Alex is laughing anyone who believes you know, true, because because he is he is a very openly atheist right yes. uh, Ricky Gervais that's fine we're used to it they're not used to it now and now it's like this is no longer funny no, I've, and how, I've we been need to, to stop
0: this I haven't been to a ton of comedy shows but i enjoy them when i go and then but i've been to uh one chris rock show do you think that while i was there conservatives and republicans did not come in for major major (laughs) i believe suburban white women was also a target like (laughs) these are these are groups Uh that are going to get made fun of i am very comfortable with that i it really does not bother me i might roll my eyes at a joke or two Mm -hmm. but it's not or the premise of the joke so usually the jokes are actually pretty good if the comedians, good. I can respect the, the craft. Sometimes the premise will be off I quibble with right, that. Right, right, Mr. right. Mr. Rock, I would like to quibble with your right the premise, premise the premise is wrong. Um, Therefore because the joke I'm, doesn't work. Because I'm a laugh a minute, let me tell you. So um, no, but it's it's fine. It's like just get get over it.
1: Among my friends growing up in Jersey, my close friends, it's a tough crowd. And you had to be willing. If you're gonna give it you better be willing to take it because when the heap of abuse gets turned on you, it can be brutal. Yes. And you learn that way. And then it's also enjoyable, but it's not you. It's really enjoyable. The relative. Oh it's my not gosh. You. It's great. And uh, we seem to have lost.
0: Yeah. Well, luckily, the people are still doing comedy. They are undeterred in the comedy. You're
1: going to need metal detectors, but they're undeterred.
0: I mean, for real. Yeah. For real. But I, I love it that even though Chappelle was literally physically attacked, he wasn't a victim for like even five minutes. No. I'd be scared. Yeah, in the in the court of public opinion, he never turned into like a like maybe we should be concerned about him. No, 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 no. Because he was physically yeah. attacked. All right, another update. Update on RussiaGate. Oh, this is this you know is this interesting is one. this is an old an oldie but a yeah. goodie.
1: You have to go way back now. This is like ancient history.
0: So the Russia collusion story, which then led to the whole storyline of 2016 through 2019. Yes. Basically the, the two and a half year Mueller investigation.
1: That led to the president's uh, first impeachment.
0: Yes. Here's, here's the Wall Street Journal reporting on a, uh, a criminal case that's now underway that revealed via Hillary Clinton's former campaign manager, Robbie Mook, that in fact, according to the headline of the Wall Street Journal, to the, to the editorial, Hillary Clinton did it. Her 2016 campaign manager says she approved a plan to plant a false Russia claim with a reporter. The Russia-Trump collusion narrative 2016 and beyond was a dirty trick for the ages. And now we know it came from the top. Candidate Hillary Rodham Clinton. That was the testimony Friday by 2016 campaign manager Robbie Mook in federal court. And while this news is hardly a surprise, it's still bracing to find her fingerprints on the political weapon. Mr. Mook Testified as a witness in special counsel John Durham's trial of Michael Sussman, the lawyer accused of lying to the FBI. In September 2016, Mr. Sussman took claims of a secret Trump connection to Russia's Alpha Bank to the FBI and said he wasn't acting on behalf of any client. Prosecutors say he was working for the Clinton campaign. What? I mean, I didn't told (laughs) y'all. Honestly, uh, yeah. I'm going to end up the biggest conspiracy theorist because I keep, like, I, know. I keep sort of out to be true. I'll tut-tut other people for being a little too on the nose about how this went down. And although I was skeptical of this whole narrative, sure, I wasn't quite here for a long time. I mean, but, like, they always prove you right, man. You know, you know what stunned
1: me was that Robbie Mook actually admitted to this. I'm really surprised. Now, I understand. I mean, you don't want to commit perjury. Right. But— I could have thought for sure he would have been able to sort of obfuscate for a while. Yeah. And what did the prosecutors do to actually compel him to do this? And I can only think two things. One, you just don't want to risk perjuring. And two, banking on the fact that the media won't care.
0: And I think he's right. Oh, they definitely don't. They definitely don't. We're the only ones. Because the the problem is that it indicts most of the news coverage in the entirety of the media – Political news universe, which again was relentless for three years. For three years,
1: every hour, round the clock. If you're watching MSNBC, and by the way, CNN. If
0: you if you are a person who is like, gosh, I can't figure out what which part of the Russia narrative this is. Don't feel bad. I followed it for three years, and I still had to refresh myself on, like, because there were so many threads. Yeah, there were so many leaks. There were so many convenient little pieces to put together. And what it was, and this is not to say that Trump is a faultless man by any stretch of the imagination, but what it
1: should see, listeners should see the twitch in your eye when you said that, by the way. You do the half
0: twitch. But but what it shows us is that a lot, which is what I kept saying, is that I feel like a lot of people have a conclusion. To which they are adding pieces as they go instead of using the evidence to go to a sure. conclusion. You are cobbling evidence at every opportunity, right. selectively chosen, selectively leaked in order to get to what you want, which is he's a Russian plant. There's a giant conspiracy and we must unprecedented him.
1: Right. And how that, do we get there? That
0: was never the case. That was never the case. Right. And as I said on CNN when it broke, when the Mueller report came down. Like gee, it seems like everybody should be a little happier right. around here. We found out that the president is not a Russian plant, and to me that seems like pretty good news. It's, I don't have to be a fan of him <laughs> to think that that is good news for the country. No, instead it's, well, it's disappointment and let's
1: just uh, move on. Yeah. It is also really quite shocking because the campaign, you know, gins up, you know, the quote unquote research to, do, to come up with this story. And then spoons, spoon feeds it. Yes. To the media. And the then media laund- just runs with it.
0: Well, and then it's laundered yeah. through media. Yeah. Then it originally with slate. And then it's yeah. with law enforcement. And suddenly you've just got nothing that turns into a something because it's the thing, yeah. it's the nothing that everyone wants to be a something.
1: Yeah. It would create, if we create enough smoke. Yeah.
0: Same with smoke. the steel dossier. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, we get to talk about PP on TV. Yeah. It was That's so, right. it was so lascivious. Mm-hmm. Is lascivious the right word?
1: Sure. Yeah, Tadri, like
0: Tawdry? Yeah.
1: <laughs> it was. It
0: was so exciting. Yeah. But then people like me were like, but is this real? Because no, this doesn't seem that real. And they just
1: it doesn't matter. Let's make a joke about it anyway, and we'll make jokes about it every every night on late night. Because um, it I, works, it's funny, and doesn't matter.
0: This is short, so I'm just going to go through the the provenance of this via the oh, Wall Street Journal. Okay. Prosecutors asked us just to refresh everybody. Please. And remember Including that Including me, because I well, can't keep track of it And myself. also just remember that we spent several years on yeah. this. Prosecutors asked Mr. Mook about his role in funneling the Alpha, ba- Alpha Bank claims to the press. Mr. Mook ab- admitted the campaign lacked experience to vet the data, yet, the decision was made by Mr. Mook, policy advisor Jake Sullivan, now President Biden's national security advisor, communications director Jennifer Palmieri, and campaign chairman John Podesta to give the Alpha Bank claims to a reporter. Mr. Mook said Mrs. Clinton was asked about the plan and approved it. A story on the Trump Alpha Bank allegations then appeared in Slate, a left leaning online publication. On October 31st, 2016, Mr. Sullivan issued a statement mentioning the Slate story, which they have planted, writing, quote, This could be the most direct link yet between Donald Trump and Moscow. Mrs. Clinton tweeted Mr. Sullivan's statement with the comment, Computer scientists have apparently uncovered a covert server linking the Trump organization to a Russia-based bank. Apparently is doing a lot of work in that sentence. In short, the Clinton campaign created the Trump Alpha allegation, allegation fed it to a credulous press, that failed to confirm the allegations but ran with them anyway, then promoted the story as if it was legitimate news. The campaign also delivered the claims to the FBI, giving journalists another excuse to portray the accusations as serious and perhaps true. Most of the press will ignore this news. But the Russia-Trump narrative that Mrs. Clinton sanctioned did enormous harm to the country. It disgraced the FBI, humiliated the press, and sent the country on a three-year investigation to nowhere. Vladimir Putin never came close to doing as much disinformation damage.
1: You can't, somebody else said you can't be humiliated if you're shameless. So it's just going to fall off them. And I I do appreciate the constant reminders, and we need them, of the role that Jake Sullivan played in this, considering he is now the current national security advisor. (laughs) We, Honestly. we
0: laugh that we might not cry. Uh, that's right. Again, this is not to say that the Trump campaign yes, or no. administration or Trump himself is a faultless man. I just thought from the beginning, this feels like you guys are really trying to make fetch there's happen. A yeah. And there that's is right. maybe no fetch here. And uh, a lot of it, and nonetheless, by the way, the Washington Post's Philip Bump, again, colon, there's no evidence Hillary Clinton triggered the Russia probe. Uh, I mean I have trouble, the, the, the I have trouble, trouble even does. understanding it's yeah. like it's like chief of staff Ron Klein's argument that this these polls look really strong for yeah. Biden it's like where is this coming from
1: just is just accept you it take the L yeah no.
0: or ignore the L ignoring the L would ignoring be better than L this the L would be better wow ah. there's your update on that folks and we should we should play the audio of me on CNN the day that it broke when I took my 2 minute soliloquy Give me some room, people. It's very good news for America that he did not collude with a hostile foreign government to come to president. It's very good news that he was not a foreign asset, um, that he is the duly elected president of the United States, whether you voted for him or not. That's good news for the country and our system of government. Um, and I think, look, some people will say you set the bar too low, Mary Cathy. You're very excited that he didn't collude. I didn't set that bar. Um, I think those same people forget how dead certain they were last week that Robert Mueller, the gold standard investigator after two years of exhausted uh, investigation was going to find that these bad and, in fact, treasonous things were true about the president, um, but he didn't. Uh, and those are the top lines. And I look forward to learning more. Um, but look, I supported this investigation throughout, and I'm excited to hear not only the top lines but the rest of it. But I think there were some who fervently hoped for a different end to this.
1: And vindication now.
0: I mean, it mattered to me whether the president was a Russian plant, and I just felt like there, the likelihood that the Trump administration. Had pulled off this grand conspiracy theory was low. Other things, sure, yeah. not this one. It's, uh, all right, this is a very brief update on Spotify and Joe Rogan. First of all, Joe Rogan's still on Spotify. Yay!
1: Yeah, yeah, yay for <laughs> Spotify, too, because this is their, uh, I thought for sure they were going to get uh, wobbly.
0: No, they did not. Mm-hmm. So that's good news. And again, we've talked about this, I think, with, with Disney, with, with Spotify, with Netflix. In this economy, You don't have a lot of leeway to be ticking off a bunch of people. And so maybe not sticking their noses in this stuff, uh, a better idea. Anyway, I did just want to update. Remember we heard about Joni Mitchell, Neil Young. I believe Brene Brown was another speaker who was removing herself from Spotify. Mary Trump, who had a podcast we all learned because she took it away from Spotify.
1: Devastating.
0: Remember there was going to be an exodus. There was going to be an exodus after this. I checked up on it. It doesn't appear that there was an exodus. Uh, The very few artists who did leave Spotify appear to have remnants of their work still there, probably because other people have rights to it and different record companies can keep that stuff on Spotify. But I, I did not, there was not a stampede for the exits on Spotify. So I just wanted to let everyone know, in case you haven't noticed on Spotify that all of your artists did not disappear. They did not disappear.
1: It's, you know, we have to update because who else will, Mary Catherine? And this is the thing, you know, we just move on from one outrage to another oh and then God. we don't have any Do follow Do you remember
0: up. what he... Like, it was, it was Joe, everything. Joe Rogan was the only thing you could talk only about. Only thing. For what, like... That's right. I think it was like that's several right. weeks. That's right. That's right. Was it Ukraine yeah. that took out Joe Rogan as it a news topic? might have been. Again, it's all the, the, it's all the you know,
1: what about Chris Rock getting slapped by Will Smith? Remember that? That oh. was... That was I mean, you, uh, uh, it occupies our minds, and then we move on to the next thing. So it's very good of us—I'm going to pat myself on the back—that we're talking about these things. I assume it's just royalties, people don't want to leave, because, you know, I assume they make money off of this, and that's why they do it, because that's how it works. The one thing I was going to say is, again, I'm reminded of the old Onion headline about the U.S. going to war in Iraq despite Cheryl Crow's protests. Right. Can't stop it. Yep. Can't stop it from happening.
0: It happened anyway. Yeah. All right. One more update. <laughs> And this is not one that we've actually followed, but Vic wanted the ladies' thoughts on this. Kate,
1: my wife, she said, I need to read this article. I said, oh, this is good.
0: Okay. Old Navy made clothing sizes for everyone. It backfired. If you are a lady and you have social media, I'm sure you were served ads about the new campaign for Old Navy, which was like inclusive sizing from very Mm -hmm. small to very large. Uh, it It was pretty... In your face for a while. I I got a lot of ads uh, about Old Navy clothes. Uh, So it says, Old Navy set out to make clothes shopping more inclusive for women of all body types. It ended up with too many extra small and extra large items and too few of the rest. A mismatch that frustrated customers and contributed to falling sales and a management shakeup. The stumbles at Old Navy are a problem for its parent gap. The chain accounts for the majority of the company's sales and profits and helps prop prop up the weaker gap Mm and Banana Republic brands. Oh, I didn't know that those were the weaker ones. Interesting. (laughs) I know. There's more expensive ones. Americans are all the cheap skates. We're like, get us They're the like old $80 Navy dollar
1: pants at Banana Republic. That was like ten years ago.
0: Build is one of the biggest launches in the brand's history. Old Navy in August began offering all women's clothing styles in sizes zero to thirty and extra small to four X, making it one of the first retailers to place such a big bet on inclusive siding, sizing. It's sizing. <laughs> oh, you're Man. gonna get me canceled. It did away with separate petite and plus size departments and grouped all sizes as each style to get of each style together. Mannequins in varying body shapes displayed the new wares. Gosh, just the investment in mannequins, man. Um, <laughs> this is a
1: large mannequin, especially
0: yeah. if they come alive at night. That's a lot of maintenance, <laughs> you know. So you're making a mannequin reference like the movie? That's it come right. out at night? It's yeah. a timely yeah, reference right from 1984. Yeah, that was right? a great movie. Great movie. <laughs> <laughs> mannequins, and they, then they have their whole romantic lives. They, it's they, a beautiful yeah, thing. You know, it was, uh, it was, it, it was ahead of its time. Yeah, manne- mannequins of all sizes yeah. uh, should be able to have a mannequin right. movie That's and a right. late night romance when they come alive. With Kim Cattrall, She was so mannequin. great. So yeah. great. And who was the guy, Jonathan? Andrew McCarr. They might close oh, Jonathan oh, does, That's so not a bad stretch. It's no, like we get
1: a birdie's. Uh, no, but oh, is he in the sequel? He's the
0: sequel. That's what it was. And Meshach Taylor, famously. Anyway, okay. Wow. Wow. Mannequins in varying body shapes Deep displayed pull. the new wares. All sizes of a style were priced the same a break with an industry practice in which retailers charge more for larger sizes. Yeah. It didn't work is the thing. Yeah. And I believe who is it the the brand manager? Oh, chains president and chief executive stepped down after less than 2 years running the brand after this attempt. I just again this goes with the the sort of to to use a too cute term but nonetheless yeah. go woke go broke. I, yeah. If you are if you are only doing business by feelings metric, mm-hmm. you will not do great business. It
1: does not work that way.
0: I mean, there's a reason that... In charge. a capitalist society, which it still is as far as I'm... As far as the last time I checked. And I am, I am here for all women sure. having clothes that they feel good about. I think that part is really wonderful, but you have to be rational about mm. how you're making these decisions. Obviously, they have a lot of extra, extra large clothes and a lot of extra, yeah. extra small clothes because... Those are the extremes, Extreme. and most, most of the people, people are in between. Are in the middle. That is why.
1: It it was a stretch, so to speak. Oh. Sorry, uh, you know, it's like what they wanted to go. They wanted they wanted forget about taking on the other you know, clothing retailers. They wanted to go after the Lane Bryant crowd. Right, we're going to just bring everybody right. in one. And, but as they mentioned, you cannot charge. The same for large sizes and small because well, the amount of fabric you're that's you're spending used, more
0: to make the, the of, item. Yeah, of it costs
1: it costs more, and you could feel good, but you're gonna you're gonna end up with a lot of these extreme sizes on one end or the other, very petite or very large, mm-hmm. and then you have to do the deep discount. And it's like the only way to take advantage of that discount is to gain weight. Uh, that's that's the for the body positivity <laughs> sort of bizarro logic as well. You know, how am I gonna? This is a great special on something that's like a. You know, very right. large, and so the only thing is, I got I got to fit into it now. So
0: uh, it's, it says Old Navy interviewed hundreds of women about their body image, scanned the bodies of 389 women to create digital avatars and built new fit blocks for sizes 20 through 28. Because the proportions change as sizes get larger, it had to review the pocket placements, waistbands. Blah, 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 blah. Like, <laughs> I, look again, that's a lot of money to be investing in this product. And then a, another uh, a friend of mine who's a who's a more of a fashion aficionado than mm-hmm. I am. Was like they also upped prices at Old Navy, and it's like, I and I noticed this too. I went recently. I was looking for uniform clothes yeah. for the kids because it is a nice place to get those. I was like, I'm sorry, are we up to thirty dollars for a an Old Navy sundress exactly. now? Because that's not no. The end result
1: is everything's going to be expensive.
0: That's not what I'm here for. So anyway, it didn't work. That is the update. It and be, uh, actually, yep. had they they paid quite a price for that.
1: They Which, do, and as listeners are list are hearing this episode on Wednesday. I believe Gap the parent company has their earnings report and they already said ahead of time that Old Navy's going to they're going to take a hit because of Old Navy. Yeah. Were you ladies were you a Banana Republic Gap Old Navy so uh, to, shopper?
0: To me Ban- Banana Republic was aspirational.
1: In it what had, sense? Price or style or both? Fit?
0: I was like I can I can hardly hardly get I would occasionally buy Banana Republic sweaters for my brothers for Christmas, and that was like the big splurge, but I I wouldn't That's buy expensive. anything for myself. You know what was a treat
1: growing Alex. up was the summer flip-flop sale at Old Navy where they would Ooh, have yes. the wall of rainbow flip-flops, and I remember my mom would be like, all right, you can pick out like two pairs oh of flip-flops gosh, for the summer. I would spend literally an hour like pink or orange, pink
0: <laughs> or orange, I was a big, yeah, we were big old Navy people growing up because it, it was cheap and cute. Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah. No, it's, yeah. A, it's a good solution for families. We'll and again, sweatshirts, kids, stuff like that. Have, yeah, for school. I have especially some very tall friends who have issues finding jeans yeah. for themselves. Sure. And like, so I'm here for that stuff. You just have to take into account what the investment is and what you're going to get out of it. I have a good Banana Republic story from back in the day. So I had a friend when I moved from North Carolina to DC to take on my new big city job. A friend of mine from rural North Carolina, where I worked, was a real estate agent. She was very successful. And she was like, girl, you cannot go to D.C. with your clothes. <laughs> and I was like, fair enough. My clothes are pretty lame. Because I made $10.50 well, yeah, an hour. Yeah, yeah I sure. I didn't You're have a lot. to into the big city. Did this not is, have is, a lot no. to work uh-huh. with. Uh-huh. So she took me on a shopping spree. And she got me, I will never forget, and I still own at least two of the items. She bought me a pair of slacks and a matching top from banana republic and a pair of heels from aldo Uh and altogether, i'm sure this was like 250 or something it was a it was a generous gift so i'm thinking probably 80 bucks per item something like that it was a generous gift one of the nicest things anyone has ever done for me i felt so polished and cool when i wore any one of these items and i will say this is my friend jamie hey jamie my friend jamie has great taste because I think if I had picked on my own, it would not have lasted. Every single one of those items still looks good. Oh. I can also still wear the pants. <laughs> huh? like a queen. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> and they're white and they still look good. Yes, thank you. Patting myself on the back. But I really appreciated it. It was such a leg up and such a confidence builder coming to a new place and feeling like I had at yeah, least one that way. solid outfit. Yeah, you feel successful. outfit, yeah, And I, I kept it around.
1: I, I, I went to structure.
0: Yes, and then it became As express, you
1: and it just got tighter and tighter and tighter. And I, I think it's just—I don't think it's me. I think no. it was the style. I
0: think express men was trying to be more inclusive. Metro, it was metrosexual. Yes, that's it was what, very... Remember that—that
1: that was a term, metrosexual.
0: Yeah, we used remember to say that. that. It's that probably, probably problematic that. now.
1: Probably. So... That's the update. Don't say that anymore. No, that's it.
0: <laughs> do we have any other updates? Uh, uh, that's everything on my list. One quick one what that I was going to say—that it turns out, remember the National School Board? Association letter? Yes. Okay, so now news has come out about the various drafts of of this letter, and I just Mm -hmm. want to update everyone that if you you felt like anyone was going overboard on that letter and the collusion of the National School Board Association with the federal government to get law enforcement involved with monitoring annoyed parents at school boards, you weren't going overboard because one of the original drafts requested National Guard and military police to deal with parents At school board meetings, y'all are crazy. Y'all are
1: crazy. Their own own report came out with
0: this. It was worse than we thought, yes, because the National School Board Association has since lost 23 or 24 state associations as part of it because they were like, what are y'all doing? Yeah. So And they, they paid the right price. They should pay a steep price for that. So they had to do their own investigation, and they found out it was even worse than we thought.
1: One battle at a time. That's what we're doing here. And that wraps up another edition of Getting Hammered. Remember, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher, and you can follow me on Twitter at Victorina Mattis.
0: I am at MK Hammer on Twitter and Substack. I'm at MK Hammer Time on, what's the one? Instagram. I know the words. <laughs> Thanks for being with us. And another hello to Mr. Gross. If you listen to Getting Hammered, but you'll get my mail because I'm saying it right now. I'm sending it. It's, that's what's happening. God bless. Making it happen. Thanks for being with us, guys. This has been a Nebulous Media Podcast.